actually, uh, Chantel sang it better than Laura does, but, uh, and the young men played way better than whoever, but uh, anyway. And oh, by the way, you can actually go home and if you get on the Walloon Church uh, Facebook page, you can listen to that because now we're actually recording the entire service, including the music. Now we have a special, of course, there's a license for that, right? Uh, which costs, but anyway, we, we've paid our license fee, so now uh, you can watch the music part. So that's a, a good thing, and you can watch uh, Chantel and Young Men once again. Uh, today we're going to talk about memories, memories, uh, things that we remember that are uh, important to us, that are uh, priceless, that are precious to us. Uh, so I thought I'd uh, share a few so you could start thinking, yeah, can you, can you believe that 17-year-old up there with the fancy hairdo there? Yeah, yeah. I paid a lot of money for that, yeah. Uh, let's see, June 19th, 1982, almost 36 years ago, Denise and I said, I do to one another in Auburn, New York. That was the second best decision I ever made after giving my life to Christ. Uh, this next one is when we moved to Walloon Lake in 1991. This is the Ellis family when we moved here. Um, First summer we moved in, this was before our son Jake was born. Uh, church was meeting down in the old youth center at 2167 North Shore Drive. How many of you were there back uh, in those days? There's, there's still a few of you diehards. Good going, yeah. Uh, here's another good memory is uh, the first uh, team visiting our sister church in Derryville, Haiti. This is just before we jumped in the trucks. Uh, for a uh, four-hour truck ride to go about 20 miles. Yes, that's true. So to get up there uh, is a, a challenge, and hopefully pray that things settle down so we can get back there soon. Uh, things have been uh, a, little, a little crazy in the Derryville region. doesn't have anything to do with the Derryville church. Their senator got arrested, and there's this fight between Americans and Haitians, and they blame. Anyway, uh, there's threats against Americans. That's why we haven't been in a couple years. But pray. Pray for our sister church. Even while we can't go there, we hope to get back there as soon as possible. Uh, another good memory. Uh, that's me there in the middle. Uh, that's 1960, y'all. And, and here's what, what I've noticed uh, is, I, uh, is uh, I'm being held down against my will. Do you notice that? Both, both mom and dad have a lockdown. Yeah, I said, that's true. You would have run fast, get away, hold him down. Uh, then I got this pirates uh, hanging out at the cove memory. Uh, and uh, John and Britt couldn't make that, so we got to add them up there. Uh, John is saying, see you later, Gator, uh, when your legs get straighter. And then finally, one more is uh, the Ellis Motorcycle Gang. Uh, that's 15 years ago. And then get a little more serious. Uh, the next one is uh, my dad and his brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles. Um, and that's my dad in the middle uh, at 16, and right in front of him is his sister Nancy 
And the other four have already been promoted and they're with Jesus. So uh, again, aunts and uncles, it was great, loved them, spent every, is one of those families every Sunday after church, we went to Graham and Grandpa's house. But uh, now uh, the four of them, uh, Aunt Grace, Aunt Shirley, Uncle Norman, Uncle Wayne, they're, they're all promoted, doing well with Jesus. Finally, here's my mom, she's up front with the pigtails, um, and uh, with my grandma and grandpa Williams, and uh, that's my Aunt Betty and my Uncle Melvin, who had already died in the Korean conflict by the time I was born. But they're with Jesus as well, grandma and grandpa, only my mom. Is, is alive to this day at 81. Memories are important. They really are. They're, they're, they're priceless and precious to us. And I want you to understand memories are important in the church as well. Uh, we need to remember. Matter of fact, Luke 22 and verse 19 tells us the whole reason we have something called communion, the Lord's table, is because we're supposed to remember. This is a precious, a priceless memory. Matter of fact, here's what Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. The whole reason we're going to celebrate communion at the close of this service is we're supposed to remember. We're supposed to hold on to that memory of what Jesus has done. Jesus used the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, better known as the Passover meal, to tell us an important and vital memory that we're supposed to hold on. So he used the Passover meal to say something important to the 12 disciples, but he used the Passover meal to explain something vital and important for us to remember in the church at Walloon today, 2018. So it wasn't just something for back then, it's something today. Jesus takes a Jewish feast, track with me, that all the Jews would have celebrated every year. They knew the Passover meal, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. He takes this well-known feast and then he infuses it with new meaning. I like that word. Infuses it with a brand new meaning and a brand new symbol is born. Jesus takes the miraculous deliverance of God's chosen people out of slavery to the Egyptians, and it becomes a new symbol for us to remember that we got delivered. We were slaves to sin and Satan and death, and now Jesus has miraculously freed us through his atoning sacrifice on the cross. Locate on your phones or in your Bibles. The Gospel of Luke, second book of the New Testament. Excuse me, third. Matthew, Mark, just a little test, yeah. Luke, uh, Luke chapter 22. We're going to stand together if you're able, and we're going to read uh, Luke's version of what we call the very first communion. Start in verse 14. We'll read down through verse 20. Luke chapter 22. You ready? Here we go. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. 
after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's pray. Lord, you uh, pointed forward, and you talked about you're going to drink and eat again, but when that happens, Lord, we're going to get to be with you. So we just want you to know, we're looking forward to that day. To feast with you, our King, our Savior, our Lord, face to face. And in the meantime, Lord, uh, help us to remember the greatest act of love in all of history. When you willingly took our place on the cross. Lord, help us to remember the greatest demonstration of power in all of history when you powerfully resurrected from the grave. You defeated sin and Satan and death on our behalf. So Lord, we're gathered here to rejoice to all that you've accomplished. Help us to remember well. Remember the cross. Remember the empty tomb. And Lord, as we dig in this morning, I'm asking that... uh, Just as you delivered your children out of slavery in Egypt, help us never to forget that you've delivered us out of slavery to sin. Everyone standing right now and those that can't, we all were slaves. Even if we were child slaves, we were slaves. And when you got us across the bridge of the cross... When we believed and received by faith, Lord, you broke those chains. We rejoice that you justified us. And Lord, like we do almost every Sunday, we just want to pause and invite the third person of the Trinity, your spirit, to be welcomed today in your church. We know theologically, Lord, you're everywhere, so you're already here. But Lord, we want you to know we welcome you. Would you come right now and take up residence in the place that you deserve? And if there's sin that prevents you from being able to to sit down and abide with us, Lord, we, we call that what it is. It's sin. No more excusing or blaming or ignoring. Lord, we run to the cross and we write that check of confession. We want to be ready to do business with you. We, we want you to rule and reign in, in a temple that's clean and pure and we're back in right relationship with you. And all the church family at Wallow Lake said with one strong voice, you can be seated. Do you remember what John the Baptist cried out when he first saw the approaching Jesus? John 1, 29. 
Remember what he cried out? Look what he said. Read it with me. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what John shouts out when he sees Jesus approaching. It's pretty cool. Uh, Sees Jesus as being the fulfillment of the Passover lamb that was sacrificed so that Israel, God's chosen kids, would be spared judgment of the firstborn. Recall back in Exodus 12, there's already been nine plagues, and it's been bad, but still Pharaoh would not let God's people go. So then on the tenth of the plagues, uh, finally Pharaoh's going to say uncle on this one. The judgment would be on all of the firstborn throughout all of Egypt. So go back to Exodus 12. Let's talk, because that is really uh, the symbol that Jesus is taking, and then he's going to transform it and infuse it with new meaning. Okay? Here we go. Tenth day of the first month, you're supposed to find yourself a lamb. Not just any kind of lamb, no lamb that's, we talked about this last time, Malachi 3, no blind lambs, no lame lambs, no diseased lambs. Find a lamb that's without spot or blemish. And then, hold on to that lamb, watch over it till the 14th day. Um, And then he says in verse 6, at twilight... Uh, I want you to slaughter the lamb. The lamb must die. Chapter 12, verse 7, uh, put the blood on the doorposts. The blood of the lamb, take some of the blood, and in a very prescribed way, put blood on the doorposts of your home. Uh, Verses 8 and 9, roast the lamb over fire, eat the lamb along with bitter herbs, and bread made without yeast. Verse 9, don't cook the lamb rare. Sorry, those of you who like your meat rare or medium rare. No, cook it all the way through and don't boil it and eat all the lamb. Verse 10, no leftovers. And if there's anything that's left over, burn all that's left over so it's gone. So you have this picture of a family here And they're like dressed and they're eating the Passover meal. And it says, eat it fast. Eat it in a hurry. Some of you are fast eaters, right? Some of you? Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm a slow eater myself. But some of you fast, you you would do well at this Passover meal, okay? Eat it fast. Why? Because at any time you're going to head out, the Exodus will begin, okay? Uh, Exodus chapter 12, Jesus is our Passover lamb, okay? I want you to track with me, okay? Because Jesus is pointing back here to Exodus 12, and he's saying, okay, you're celebrating this Passover feast. I want you to understand what's happening right now. Exodus 12, the lamb at Passover, was sacrificed for the deliverance of one family, and only one family. Very clear, and it even gives instructions. If you have a small family, you, you can gather, but, but it's only going to be one household. Uh, one lamb will cover one home for the penalty and the deliverance of one family. You understanding? 
Whereas Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, sacrificed his life to deliver the whole world from the penalty and the power of sin. Do you understand the difference? One family, Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, his sacrifice was going to be all-encompassing for all of humanity throughout all of history. His blood would satisfy the penalty of sin. The Passover lamb, back in Exodus 12, was the substitute for the firstborn of Israel. So if you were the firstborn, and you were living in Egypt, and you didn't have the lamb die, and the blood shed on the doorposts of your home, you were going to die. So literally, this lamb was going to spare the life of the firstborn in that home. All of Israel who knew Jehovah, who, who believed Moses was sent from God, they, they would be spared from losing the firstborn of their family. Okay? Catch this. Jesus is our substitute. Okay? The lamb died and was the substitute for the firstborn. Jesus is our substitute at the cross. Jesus took our place and bore the weight of all of our sin. Now, without the death of the lamb, here we go, without the spreading of the blood on the doorposts, Israel, God's chosen people, would have lost their firstborn just like the Egyptians. Do you understand? If they didn't follow the prescribed instructions, they would lose their firstborn. But if they did it God's way, the judgment of God would pass over. And, and their firstborn would be spared. And, and all of the Egyptians who didn't follow God's instructions, who didn't believe in Jehovah God, who, who didn't sacrifice a lamb, who didn't put the blood on the door frames of their homes, they suffered the judgment of God. They lost the firstborn. Um, Without the shedding of the blood, without Jesus shedding his blood on the cross at Calvary, without Jesus washing and cleansing to take care of our sin problem, catch this, we too suffer judgment. That's the problem in the world today. Most of the world says, I think I'm a pretty nice person. I'm good. I'm moral but they've never applied the shed blood of Jesus Christ to their life. <laughs> They're lost. They're trying to earn their way to eternal life. And Jesus is saying, no, no, it's only what I've accomplished on the cross that brings eternal life. It's only through what Jesus accomplished on the cross. There's no hope of salvation unless the blood of Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, is applied to our lives. Uh, in his book, The Tale of the Tardy Ox Cart, one of my favorite preachers, Chuck Swindoll, anybody else? Chuck Swindoll fan? Okay. That's just, you don't need to know that. But anyway, this is a true story. He says uh, uh, there was an eight year old girl in Kenya, Africa named Monica. And Monica was playing out in the woods and she accidentally fell into a pit 
an animal pit trying to catch animals, and she fell into a pit and she broke her leg. An elderly woman heard Monica crying. Her name was Mama Jerry, and Mama Jerry ran to the pit and climbed into the pit to rescue the little girl. (laughs) But as soon as Mama Jerry climbed into the pit, she realized they weren't alone. Okay? Some of you are going to freak for a few minutes, Brant. We're sorry. Shut your eyes. Because there was a black mamba. That is a black mamba there, hissing and preparing to strike. Black mamba is the most poisonous snake in Africa. Get bit by black mamba, you're probably going to die. Okay? So Mama Jerry, seeing what was going on, she stepped in front of Monica and the snake sunk its fangs into Mama Jerry. And the, and the black mamba is so angry. After it sank its fangs into Mama Jerry, it went ahead and it bit Monica as well. Um, at the hospital, Monica was confused because she got bit by the black mamba. And she was going to be okay after her leg healed up, but Mama Jerry had died from being bit by the black mamba. The nurse explained, because Mama Jerry was bitten first, the snake emptied all of its poison into her body. So when the snake bit Monica, there was little or no poison left. In other words, Mama Jerry took the hit from the snake. Here's what Romans 5.8 says. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still what? Sinners. What did Jesus do? He died for it. Jesus took the hit for us. When, when we were still lost and in rebellion and foolish land, Jesus stepped in the front of the poisonous snake called sin, and Jesus took the hit for the poison of sin that's bitten each and every one of us. The nicest person here, the most moral and good person here, you've still been bit with by the snake called sin. Communion, track with me, is remembering that Jesus still saves snake-bit sinners like us. Is that not good? Jesus still saves and redeems from eternal judgment snake bit sinners like you and me. The same God who acted in history to save and deliver his chosen people out of slavery in Egypt, that same God has also acted in history to save and deliver sinners like you and me because we were slaves to sin and Satan and death. And here's the memory that we need to get says, this do in remembrance of me, Jesus says. Luke twenty-two nineteen, the body of Jesus symbolized by the bread. Luke twenty-two twenty, the blood of Jesus symbolized by the cup. The bread and the cup are intended to be powerful symbols. Listen, the, the, te- the bread and the cup are to provoke us to remember that something in history changed everything. 
Something that occurred in history has an effect today, and I dare not forget it. I, I need to remember it. This is a precious memory of what Jesus has done for me. And it continues to impact my life today, and it's going to continue to impact our lives for how long? For, for, for all of eternity, forever. Exactly. This, this event needs to be remembered. Luke 22, verse 19, catch this. It says, And Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body, which is given for who? For you. You. This is personal. Okay? So we read it and we think, well, we know that means for everybody. But when the disciples heard this, they heard it was for me. It was for me. Uh, go on to the... The next uh, verse, verse 20, in the same manner after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for, again, personal. I want you to get it. Jesus said, my blood is poured out for, for you, for you. Jesus died on the cross to redeem everyone. Well, not everybody. Well, here's, here's what Romans 10, 9 says. For the sin of all who will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and all who will believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So Jesus is saying right now, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> so as we prepare our hearts and our minds for communion, let's never forget that Jesus offered his body. Jesus allowed his blood to flow for me, for you. This is so important. I want you to get it. He, he's doing this for me. Say it, for me. Come on, point right there. I want you to get balcony. For me. He, he did this for me. He loved me. Yes, he, he loved the whole world for all who will confess and believe, but it's personal. And this memory is precious. And it's priceless. May we never forget. Might we always remember the precious and priceless gift of what Jesus has done for you and for me. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. I'd invite those who are going to serve communion, make your way on up here at this time. While they're making their way up, um, is it possible that you've been bitten by the snake called sin? And you've never done anything about that other than just try to be good and nice and moral and hope that's good enough. Very sad. But Jesus says on the day of judgment, many are going to say, some translations say most, 
Lord, I did really nice, good, moral things. And I even went to church and memorized verses. And, and I, I did lots of really good things. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. You never confessed with your mouth that I'm your Lord. You've never believed in your heart that Jesus raised you from the dead. You've never entered into a personal relationship with me. The shed blood was never applied. Judgment is going to come your way. Don't, don't be shocked on the day of judgment. Right where you're at, you can believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin problem. Jesus shed his blood to take care of that snake called sin that's bitten you. And that's the only cure. There is no other remedy. And right where you're seated today, Jesus, I get it. The light's coming on, and I realize I need you as my Savior and Lord. I need what you did for me on the cross. Apply that shed blood to my life. I believe and I receive you, and I know that you arose from the dead for me. Defeated sin and Satan and death. Jesus, you did that for me. Brand new life in Christ can begin right now. And now as we prepare for communion, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight says, Examine yourself. This is a celebration, but it's also a serious time. It's remembering the greatest events in all of history. It's what Jesus has commanded us to remember. And don't forget. But he says, before you enter in to partaking, examine your life. Check for sin. Check for pockets of rebellion. He says, do some business. Get right with me. And then celebrate. Jesus, would you point out anything that as we examine our hearts and our lives, we should take care of right now? And as he shows you something, you're not stuck. The cross means you're not stuck. Run to the cross, the place of forgiveness and cleansing and healing. And if you've said, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I've confessed you with my mouth. I've received you. Uh, I, I confess you are risen from the dead. You're alive in my life. Good news. Your account's marked paid in full by the shed blood of the Lamb. So write that check of confession right now. What you're making clear to me right now, Jesus, you call it sin, I call it the same thing.
Myron, Jesus gave his body for you. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Would you thank him for that? Lord, uh, not only were you the perfect lamb and the perfect sacrifice, but Lord, you came willingly. And you went to the cross willingly and hung there with your broken body for me. And Lord, I was uh, far from you at that time, but your love, you did it for me. So thank you. Thank you for taking care of my sins, Lord, uh, past, present, and future. And uh, Lord, we remember, remember what happened that day so long ago. In your name we pray. Amen.
1 Corinthians 11, Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Gil Jesus allowed his blood to be poured out for you. Would you praise him for that? Lord, it's uh, not lost on me uh, at that moment that they were ready to drive the nails into your hands. You could have called on a legion of angels, Lord, and that could have uh, eliminated the Roman soldiers, Lord, but you chose for me go ahead and let them drive those nails into your hands and have that cross lifted so that your blood could die for me and all my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for that new covenant, Lord, that you uh, so willingly went to the cross for our behalf.
In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he returns. The men are going to collect the cups, and we're also going to ask the ushers to come down, and uh, we will receive a benevolent offering taking care of the needs of many in the community and taking care of many in the family here at Walloon. So ushers, if you would make your way down, we'll ask God's blessing on this offering that we take. And if you would, please remain seated. It's really hard to pass the offering plates when you stand. We've learned that over the years. So remain seated, and then Andy will stand you after uh, it looks like uh, the, pat, the plates have been passed. So, Lord, thank you for uh, this wonderful time to remember that we got to celebrate together. And thank you now for this opportunity to give to help those in our community and those in the church family who are in need. And, Lord, would you please take these gifts that we're about to give and would you use them to bring love and encouragement and hope to those who are going to receive them. It's in Jesus' name we pray.